Hello, loyal blog readers. We're here for our next episode of the Friday Weekly Podcast, the Dwayne Morris Class Action Weekly Wire. My name is Jerry Mattman, and I'm a partner at Dwayne Morris, and joining me today is my colleague, Annie Grudner. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Great to be here, Jerry. Great. Today, we wanted to discuss trends and developments in 2022 and moving into 2023 regarding the area of civil rights class actions. Do you want to talk a little bit about the background and the overview of uh, civil rights class actions, Annie? Yes, thanks, Jerry. So for over more than seven decades, class actions have been among the most powerful tools to secure civil rights uh, in America. This began with the class action of Brown versus the Board of Education handed down by the Supreme Court in 1954 which declared school segregation unlawful and arguably set the stage for the civil rights movement. In 1966, Congress and the judicial rulemaking authorities crafted Rule 23 with the express goal of empowering litigants challenging systemic discrimination, particularly segregation, to force courts to order widespread injunctive relief that would protect members of the class as a whole. Ever since, this provision remains as salient to the enforcement of federal civil rights statutes and constitutional claims as at its inception. For a multitude of reasons, class actions are often a tool of first resort by advocacy groups to remedy civil rights violations. Well, I know in law school, many of us learned about uh, class actions for the first time in uh, civil rights context. In 2022, what were some of the major areas of rulings by federal and state courts in the civil rights space? So in combination with the relatively lenient standards favoring class certification, as well as the crafty engineering of pleadings that present common issues for resolution, 2022 saw court rulings uh, where numerous civil rights classes were certified, as well as grants of class certification affirmed on appeal. Moreover, a growing trend is division of classes into subclasses to ensure the pertinent Rule 23 requirements are met, and improving the plaintiff's chances of success at the certification stage. I know that one of the bellwether rulings involved uh, universities. Uh, could you review some of the key rulings that corporate counsel ought to know about that emanated from the courts in 2022? Sure. For example, in Cole versus Montana University System, the court denied class certification of a Title IX lawsuit alleging discrimination and harassment on the basis of sex. The plaintiffs were a group of women suing the defendants for alleged violations of Title IX and sought to certify a class of approximately 76 women who allegedly experienced harassment, retaliation, and or discrimination on the basis of their sex. The plaintiffs alleged that the defendants either forced them to resign, terminated their positions, or limited their options for professional growth. Specifically, the plaintiffs alleged that the defendants fostered a good old boys club culture favoring male athletes and employees while excluding the plaintiffs from participating in activities and benefits that they're regularly afforded to their male counterparts. At the heart of the court's analysis was Rule 23's commonality requirement, which ultimately drove its decision to deny class certification. In analyzing evidence and the party's submissions, the court noted that the plaintiff's claims appeared to be too disparate to be resolved in one stroke, which is the key to satisfying Rule 23's commonality requirement. Well, that was quite a ruling in terms of a denial. How about in the uh, civil rights space, were there any significant uh, class certification grants in your view? Yes, there were several. For example, the court granted certification in a novel case in 2022 in Nice versus Becerra. 
the plaintiffs there, a group of healthcare professionals, filed a class action following an announcement that the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services will interpret and enforce Section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act to prohibit, first, discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation, and second, discrimination on the basis of gender identity. The plaintiffs allege that the announcement created an immediate present-day injury on them because they could lose federal money if they were to refuse to provide gender-affirming care to a transgender patient. The plaintiffs asserted that this enforcement wrongfully equated to discrimination on account of sexual orientation and gender identity with sex discrimination. The court determined that since over 1 million healthcare providers were at issue, the proposed class met the numerosity requirement. The court also found that the proposed class members all shared the same common injury from the legal uncertainty over the obligations under Section 1557 and therefore met both the commonality and typicality requirements. As to adequacy, the court determined that the plaintiffs would fairly and adequately represent the members of the proposed class and noted that the fact that some putative class members may disagree with plaintiffs' aims or beliefs did not defeat the adequacy of representation requirements. So overall, the court concluded the class certification under Rule 23b2 was appropriate because the plaintiffs did not seek individualized release for any class member, but rather sought injunction or declaratory relief for the class as a whole. I know that one of the cutting edge areas of civil rights class action litigation involves rights of prisoners. In 2022, were there any significant decisions, especially at the court of appeals levels when it came to prisoner rights? Yes, there were. One of the successful class certification rulings in prisoner litigation in 2022 was Ross versus Gossett, where the Seventh Circuit affirmed the decision of the district court to grant class certification on claims brought by inmates at various state correctional centers under 42 U.S.C. Section 1983, alleging violations of the Eighth Amendment arising from shakedowns to sanitize cells and discover contraband. The Seventh Circuit affirmed the district court's ruling that the alleged discriminatory actions were part of a uniform plan, and proof regarding the content of that plan was an issue for examination on the merits. One of the areas that I'm intimately involved in involves civil rights of what could be called uh, guests, licensees, or customers, and that's in the ADA context under Title III in terms of reasonable accommodations or barrier access. I know there were quite a few cases in 2022. What do you think might be the most significant? Well, there were several cases in this area, but one of the most interesting was a, th a Third Circuit case addressing the numerosity and commonality requirements of Rule 23. And that was Allen versus Ollie's Bargain Outlet, where the Third Circuit vacated the class certification order in an Americans with Disabilities Act class action against retail operators with 400 retail store locations across 29 states. There, the plaintiffs had alleged that the retailer's stores were inaccessible to disabled people using wheelchairs because the aisles were often blocked with merchandise. To satisfy the numerosity requirement, the plaintiffs introduced census data estimating the number of people with ambulatory disabilities for each zip code with a store. To satisfy the commonality requirement, the plaintiffs argued that the defendant had nationwide store layout policies that affected accessibility in its stores. As to numerosity, the Third Circuit held that the plaintiff's evidence was far too speculative because the census data indicated nothing about the number of disabled people who actually shopped at the stores, the customer complaints were few in number, and there were no documented accessibility issues for those patrons visiting the Pennsylvania stores. Annie, by my way of thinking, I think that the uh, Third Circuit's decision is probably the most powerful defense tool for uh, 
corporate defendants moving forward into 2023 in terms of your overview of this particular space? What should employers and corporate counsel take away from these rulings in terms of what you see coming down the road in 2023? Well, there are a lot of issues covered, but given the volume of litigation in the civil rights area, as well as the frequency with which classes are granted and new burgeoning issues that percolate, for example, claims regarding COVID-19, claims regarding the increased issue with homelessness and others, we anticipate that the plaintiff's bar will continue to be creative and inventive in the space in 2023. Lainey, thanks so much for sharing your expertise and your analysis of this particular area. Our loyal blog readers, we're happy you joined us today and we look forward to our next podcast. Have a great day.